0: Welcome to the Disconnection Podcast. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and I'm going to be your host for today's show. Good morning. During this episode at Disconnection, we'll be speaking to Leandro Mm Barriga, and Leo is one of my oldest friends, actually my first friend. And Leo, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up, Kyle? (laughs) Not too much. I'm happy you could join me for an episode. Um, Let's hop right into it what was your first memory of being creative
1: okay okay so i've i felt like i've always kind of had some level of creativity me kind of being more into the uh, community aspect Mm because i've always i've always found my friends and people in general uh to bond well with and you know, to a certain point, I've just loved activities always. Like one memory I had was when I was a little kid, we would go to the beach and it was it was as a family trip. And my sister, she would always tan and she would always just kind of lay there. And, you know, going into the water with my dad was fun. But when I saw my sister tan, I just, I don't know, I just, I didn't find pleasure in stuff like that. I, I wanted to do things. So I actually built sandcastles. And sandcastles made of sand, <laughs>
0: obviously.
1: obviously. And uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah, I know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I built some sandcastles, and I had just the most flow and fun doing them. Like I would, I would find anything to plastic washed up on the shore, to shells, to sticks, to to you know, like using parts of my sister's shit and, yeah, and just throw part of her clothing in there, throwing it in man. And like, for me, that was like maybe some of the early signs of, of creativity, you know, like just, just like the, the daily trips and like finding ways to to play with it, you know, like not just, not just laying there and, and, and being within the sun, but kind of like utilizing what, what is around me. And um, one of the actual definitive memories I have which is funny is when I was like I want to say first or second grade mm-hmm. we were we were I don't know if you were in my class but we had Mr. Gansel as your gym teacher yeah I know you know who he is
0: yeah yeah good, great yeah. gym teacher wore shorts all year round even in the winter time strange guy but really really good guy
1: Oh, dude, the best guy. I still do. When I see him, I still call him Mr. Gansel. And he and he loves it. He loves it. Um, so basically one day during his gym class, uh, we were all sitting there getting ready to go. We're all just playing and laughing. And he's like, all right, guys. So uh, before we go out, uh, any questions? And I raise my hand. And he calls on me. And I'm like, hey, hey Mr. Gansel, do, do, do you know any inventors? And... <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I was, I was, I was, interested, and and basically everybody in the class started laughing, and Mr. Gansel was like, "Uh, no, no, Leo, I'm a gym teacher. Why would I know inventors?" And I see from that, Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know, man. In my mind, he is. Go on, go on. And uh, and yeah, basically from that point on, I guess I guess I never asked the question again. Not not. I don't think it was because of my friends laughing at me. I think it was just, I just didn't have the the guidance that I really always searched for as a, a creative artist. And, and it's something that I've noticed kind of throughout the years, but basically from that point on, I've always had an interest in, in creating things like whether that be through art or music or writing or, you know, just about every type of medium, but just the aspect of creating things. So I've always been interested. The only problem that happened throughout my years after that experience is that I never got I never got studying well like most people, like most kids. Like I never really got book book smart throughout my years. And to a certain point, it's it's a definitely a level of the system, the education system we live in because kids like me and some of my other friends who actually some of my closer friends grew up in my life we never really got books smart, um, just kind of like reading text that in that world, they kind of put you in what's considered, you know, special courses or, uh, you know, special ed classes. I remember and the, so throughout. I remember there was a special
0: yeah. ed class that we took together uh, and it like taught mm-hmm. us how to like properly write because I, w- I think I would write from the bottom up on my letters and they'd be like, no, oh, no, you have to do it top down. It's a, it's a wow. It's a system that, like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, it's an educational system, and it doesn't work for everyone. And some of those sped classes, right, the special education classes, mm-hmm. they're frowned upon when it's just the people who are in those classes learn in different ways than everybody else, and it's not they yeah. don't, they don't know how to relate to like, oh, here's a textbook. Oh, I read this chapter. Like, that's not how I learn. You know so sorry to cut you it's, off it's it's
1: no 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 i actually really like i didn't know that about you i think maybe you told me but i it's been so long but damn i didn't know you wrote bottom up that's yeah. do you still do that no, like occasionally no i don't i don't i have no idea i couldn't oh so yeah. it looks like the system worked yeah i guess so <laughs> yeah Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. No, I just remember being like in 4th grade and staying after class and and trying to get English with Mrs. Williams and it just it just didn't click and throughout that, that that's the problem, man. It's like at that age when people are trying so hard for you to get something, you don't you don't make it really through that grade, so they put you in what is the special ed course and that basically carries out until you finish high school you know i remember being in these courses since middle school and high school and and i guess i never had what would be like the prestigious honor of being in an honors class you know and to a certain point i think that's it's funny cuz most of the people i've been with in these classes are later artists you know are later the the types of people that just find different ways of expressing themselves that wouldn't be considered, I guess, the generic way of doing things in life. And that's why I think for a lot of it, I've always felt like I've been an artist or a creative, Mm -hmm. but not saying that that's not something people all over the world just are. I just found that for me, it was a different way of doing things. And I don't know, something I've I've always really pushed that in the education world in any type of medium of of teaching people, you have to. You have to get to know the person genuinely so you can find the way to communicate information to them. Cause it's not just sitting there reading a book or or, or having them explain lessons and repeating nature until they, they have a, a fixed image of it and that it's not even fully within them. It's just like a repetitive slideshow that they reciprocate to you you know, like I, I met this one woman who was a snowboard instructor and she would teach people and, you know, some people would get it in the beginning, you know, lean back, go left, lean forward, go right. I'm a regular. So, um, but some people just couldn't get it. So she literally would get to know them and would like find out about them to connect things like, Oh, okay. You like sports. Well, I don't know. This could be like baseball. You know, if you're the pitcher, you have to, you have to lean behind the plate or, or, or pull your whole body forward. If you want to like make the ball go a certain degree, you know, I mean, she had different ways of being creative about teaching, which is just as important as being a creative person, you know, totally. thinking outside the box. Always right.
0: Sounds like a great instructor. To be able to adapt the instruction to the specific person is not something that our educational system does. But I wanted to talk to you about uh, you had mentioned that a lot of your friends, uh, a lot of your close friends, Mm-hmm. ended up being artists or artistic in some manner. Do you think that because the educational system, the instructions that they received didn't equate to their learning abilities? Do you feel like that outlet of being artistic, of finding their own expression, was a direct result mm-hmm. of them not fitting with the system?
1: Um, so in high school, uh, a few of my friends, because then again, dude, uh, there weren't that many artistic like friends that I, I kind of had in my, my vicinity growing up, you know, I would say maybe five and knowing them in high school. And then, you know, after high school, seeing the routes they took, it's, uh, it's interesting to say that they've probably also felt specific ways of not fitting in and kind of having to find different ways of, of meeting people who are similar and doing similar things like whether it be music or or movies film photography um you know these things slowly develop because in in some way in high school i felt like the whole system of high school was more of a, of a overwhelming necessity that they felt that they had to be within like there couldn't be like a specific route or or teacher or book or even space of a club that would be away from the school and actually talking about things that to a certain point you don't learn in school you know like like I mean it's something I can really get into because of my experience being here in Europe that I think was is the best part of all of this is because you kind of step outside of what you're used to and at that age man in high school you don't really you don't really have enough experience outside of those walls to be able to be like oh okay so this is basically what was happening you're you're in the system and you're basically just trying to find little roots for yourself to feel good but it's hard because there isn't one specific main route that you can take and kind of branch out that route for me was probably like art school
0: Which is the direction that you've gone since, you know, high school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, music in high school, because, okay, so check this out. So in high school, (laughs) I, (laughs) let let me go into high school a little bit since we're here. I was in high school. Like, there's no other way to say it. I was just in high school. You know, I had my friends, like friends were probably the biggest part of my life because, you know, I went through a lot of shit growing up as a kid. Uh, And I always found comfort in friends and communication with with others and making people feel good, you know, was like my number one thing. So in high school, you know, I had a lot of friends. Uh, School obviously did not work out for me in the educational stance of, you know, making tests or notes. And, you know, I did did what I had to do to pass, Mm -hmm. let's say. Uh, But it wasn't actually up until I believe I was in Mikey's room. And me and Ben were just kind of upstairs on the couch. And we heard at the time Mikey, Andy, and Ori, I think they were in the band, Ready Means Go. These are my friends, by the way, from uh, Tenafly, who I grew up with. And me and Ben were just sitting there playing a little bit. And Ben looks at me and is like, dude, Leo, we should start a band. And I was like, yeah, dude, we should start a fucking band. (laughs) And and that was it, man. That was it. Like that moment, I remember because we started Localide, and Localide was the band we basically had all throughout high school. And that's that for me. Being on stage, singing for the band, and and doing creative music. That was the start of what I would say led me to where I am now in my my journey of life of art. Because that was the first real art that I passionately loved, and I still to this day love music. I and mean, music's my, my, my muse, my soul. So, like being the front man of the band Local Live throughout high school, that was like the biggest thing I looked forward to because it was the one, like space where I actually felt like expressive and energetic and connected and loved and and making people feel good like it all kind of like like went together well like I finally connected to myself you, so that was like the you start like, of everything
0: uh outside of that you weren't loved
1: I I definitely was loved but I definitely I definitely had moments where you know I guess I didn't realize that it wasn't so much of what I wanted. It was just more of what the situation was and where I was and, and kind of just living within that time phrase, you know, like at at 16, 17, you're in high school, you have your group of friends, you're basically asking the question, where do I fit in? And I fit in with, you know, these group of friends doing what I do, but I never had like this, that's Space that I, you know, fully felt connected and kind of wanted to get more of it because I felt like at the time, okay, I got to finish high school. After high school, I'm going to go to college. After college, I'm going to get a job. It's so ingrained, like <laughs> subconsciously that you can't really pull yourself aside and be like, wait, you know, why do you have to follow this order? Or and like actually commit to not following the order. That's the hardest part, you know. You probably do have that, like you know. I don't have to be in the system, but I'm in the system. So what can I do while I'm in the system? As much as you can, where you feel you. But then again, is that really you? Who is you? You know, and that those are the questions that I was I was asking myself at the time. And I guess I never had the courage to really push myself to to figure it out outside of that system until until basically i would say older yeah until i left high school uh i got kicked out of my first year of college in florida and then when i came back i went to bergen community college and yeah okay my (laughs) my my classic kicked out of college story man this this, this is a classic (laughs) so up until this point uh yeah. Basically another, another route that most um, artists and let's let alone uh, jocks, I'm going to go ahead and say jocks as well. We become very big potheads when we're in high school. So I was a, I was a pretty big pot smoker <laughs> to the point where, <laughs> like most of us, um, to the point where, yeah, I was just smoking like, uh, like religiously. And basically I would say the I got into Florida. I got into Tampa University. Uh, me and Ben, me and Ben had this plan. Me and Ben, uh, <laughs> thanks Ben. Yeah, me, me and Ben had this plan. We were gonna go to we we're gonna college together. We we're gonna fucking just cause chaos and just just rock. And uh, it turns out Ben couldn't come. Um, and actually, dude, it was like the only school I got accepted to because my SAT scores were. 1420 i would say and i thought it was hilarious because i'm like oh look 420 <laughs> <laughs> classic, so so classic classic and um so yeah i basically only got into tampa university a private institute up in uh, tampa florida or down um and i went and i was just so lost man i was so lost first year of college like asking all these questions, following whatever system order I had, I was there studying general courses, first year of college, you can't really have the liberty to pick specific things. Although at this point, I wanted to study music technology, because I had that course there, but I couldn't take it yet, because I was, you know, freshman. And so I took all these general, you know, math, science, literature courses. And I was staying actually in the uh, foreign college dorms, which is all the international students who come to the school to study. I was there. And that's actually where I met one of my close friends, Brian, who's like, he was my roommate at the time. And to this day, you know, he's still one of my really good friends. Um, So in the time of being together, we were basically, our room was basically considered the pot smoking den room. All these kids who came from international schools, it was all their first time getting involved into the weed culture and just college and and just being able to cut let's, loose let, culture. Let's you know, call it that. the
0: American yeah. weed culture.
1: Sure, sure. I would, yeah, definitely. The American weed culture, the American culture period. I mean, I got, I got to connect well with a lot of these uh, international students, but I guess I was still so embedded in just my culture that I didn't really get to know them as deep mm-hmm. as I could have. But my room basically was the... The pot smoking room. So kids would come from all over the world. This is <laughs> hilarious to say. Kids would come from all over the world to smoke my weed, <laughs> basically. And like, there was a point, like, I have this one memory. My man, uh, Soul Man, um, he's a friend of mine. Um, fuck, where was he from? I think Saudi Arabia. And he would come, he'd be like, hey, yo, Leo. And I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, hey, dude, do you mind rolling me a joint? And I'm like, Soul Man, dude. This is like the twelfth time. I, you got to learn how to roll, man. I can't be rolling <laughs> for you. It was like that, man. It was basically like that. Um, so our room was just known, and so this is this is kind of where things went sour. Um, things were going great, and to a certain point. But you know, c- cutting back to what I was saying about being lost, I was just I was just smoking. I wasn't even going to class. I was just wasting my time, and I was trying to connect, but not really actually making the effort because. I was like insecure and I was just, you know, just keeping, I don't know, in the train of smoking weed, which is sometimes hard to escape if it's a comfort, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, if you feel lost and it's like you are not sure what to do with yourself and your time and and it's a nice little – almost like it's, an, it's a cozy little bed to get into and just, hey, you know what? I'm just going to let the world spin around me. Uh, and that's not everyone's take on – smoking but sometimes you can get caught in that cycle
1: yeah i mean it, honestly dude weed is just like another amplification and me personally i was just dealing with my own insecurities so with weed it kind of just like amplified it a little bit it made me feel better
0: so you got kicked out for smoking weed
1: Yeah. Yeah. Long story short, uh, we had like this RA come into our dorms. She basically busted me. Uh, I remember I was having a beer with a friend in his room and another friend came in and was like, yo, Leo, they're busting you right now. I'm like, oh, fuck. And I wasn't like, oh, fuck, they're busting me because I knew that day would come. I was, oh, fuck, because I just opened a beer and I was about to play music with my friend. Yeah, no, but there's like an example of where my importance of, of everything was. Uh, So I go to my room and they're busting it and at the end of the day, they found a bag of stems and the thing about Florida and the South is that there's a zero tolerance policy for all of that. So one thing led to the other and the stems actually turned out to be what was considered not just paraphernalia but weed. Um, So it was like 20 grams I was being charged for. And so, yeah, they called me into like the, the vice dean's office or whoever that is and they were like, is this yours? You know, you you, deny, you you have to deny till you die. So I was like, no, I, I ordered some glow sticks from Colorado. So <laughs> <That's
0: the> worst,
1: <laughs> so stupid. <excuse> <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> Absolutely the worst. But I had glow sticks because you know I was glow stringing at the time. Nice. So it was all I could think of. And uh, and whatever he knew his bullshit. Um, so I basically got kicked out of the dorm room life. But because I wasn't making the GPA requirement of a 2.0, cause I didn't go to class or anything. They both kind of like turned into a uh, suspension. So I was suspended from school basically for a year. And that's kind of when I came back to New Jersey and decided like, okay, you know what? I wasn't supposed to be there. Clearly I don't know where I'm supposed to be. So I decided just to continue the college, like, like list of continuing classes in Bergen community college. And and doing, this
0: and doing that because that's what everyone expects of
1: you. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of like going again through it. But I guess I felt a little bit more, more at ease to begin exploring. But actually, uh, it actually was after I got kicked out that I came back and I started doing some soul searching. And that's actually when I came upon okay. Landmark Forum. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did the landmark forum, and uh, it's basically like a, a weekend workshop where you have this leader who kind of sends you through certain distinctions of your life that help you kind of gear to look at yourself through a blind spot and and be able to find, I guess, truth to the patterns that you live. You know, kind of showing you the areas that you're unable to see because you just keep living them through. You know, whatever old experience that you're holding on to. And so when I, I, yeah, live
0: subjectively through something and you can't objectively view your life because you're in it
1: based. Yeah, basically, exactly. And I guess when I did the whole seminar, um, and you'd call it
0: an equivalent to like a mindfulness seminar. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think, I think that was the keystone for me to get even involved with meditation. Awesome. The biggest thing I got out of that whole weekend was the relationship with my sister because, up until well when i was 8 years old my uh, my parents got divorced and up until the divorce i kind of felt like it was going to happen because they had been fighting and there was just like a lot of problems in the house and you know i'm a kid but they try hiding things but they can't hide everything so i kind of knew it was going to happen i didn't want it to obviously uh, i don't know i don't know if my sister did too at the time she might have but I remember walking into the house, uh, or maybe my room, I don't really remember where I was before, but I was called down to the dinner table and my mom, dad, my sister, and we were all sitting there and it was so hard for them to say it. But even before saying it, I just knew it was going to come out. So I just started to cry and like, and then they said it. And I was like, you know, no, no, wait, why? Like, why, why? Um, like, what can we do? You know, I was just, I was just trying to make things happen. My sister, I remember looking at my sister and she was just, she was also covered in tears, just looking down, like, like just very upset though. Like not, not so much asking questions, just very upset, like crossed arms, like Mm -hmm. in her own world with all of it. And, and I was there just trying to understand a little bit. My mom was also crying and my dad, I mean, from this point of view, in that moment, my dad was probably looked at as the villain, you know, looked at as the guy who's breaking up our, family to a certain point I um that's actually when I called you I remember I remember this happened and I didn't really have anyone to talk to or anything to do but I just knew I needed to get out I needed to tell somebody because it was just so unreal for me so that's actually when I called you and I said like hey man um my parents just got a divorce um they separated because now they actually just finalized yeah, it but yeah I remember um, that I
0: remember you telling me that and I remember when you did tell me that every time my parents would fight as a kid, I would think like, oh my God, they're going to get a divorce because I correlated your life like equal to mine. Like anything that happens to you, it could happen to me too. And yeah, I just, I mean, I shared what I could of, of your, your experience and your pain, but you know, uh, I remember that phone call. Yeah.
1: I, I don't, wow, that's. That's really cool, Kyle. I really I really didn't know that. I didn't know that my uh, impact on that had such a play in your own life as well. There's a reason people so, call us so similar, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. Dude, no, everybody said it here, man. Everybody. And I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Even Xenia was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is too much for me. <laughs> All right. So go on. Go on.
0: Literally. parents kind of divorce. You called me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, parents got divorced, they called you. And long story short, I think, I think whenever we have those specific traumas in our life, um, for me at least, because, because things were out of my control and I didn't really understand it at the time. And you were there because you actually played a big, big part in, in, you, in the whole like future friend aspect of finding comfort in my friends is that I decided that I would do whatever I could to make sure people wouldn't have to feel, this type of pain or this type of uh, – I could even say quote-unquote violence of Emotional of suffering because my parents – yeah, exactly, emotional violence. There was never really any domestic violence but emotional violence and I, I basically shaped my life to be there for – whoever needed in that aspect I mean I really I really don't want to sound like a hero when I say that because to a certain point it would even cause me to to not do let's say what I wanted to do or just kind of just let people take advantage of me for that certain specific sense and and not that they wanted to take advantage of me maybe not all the time but just because I didn't Connect so much with my genuine self. I was too traumatized by my experience to kind of want to relive any type of pain. So whenever there was uh, pain or doubt or no or rejection, I kind of I kind of steered away. Whether that was uh, having relationships and people in my life who would only tell me yes, or if it was a no, I would kind of just walk the other way. You know, I, I wasn't I wasn't able to view things just kind of how they were, I, w- I would have this attachment to my past. And so to a certain certain light, just touching back, going back to Landmark, is that the relationship with my sister after the divorce was terrible because she had to deal with the, the, the separation in her own way and her way of dealing of, with it was being being angry, being angry at the world, being angry at my dad, being angry at basically any and everyone, uh, at least in the in the house. I don't know how many people of her friends, because I think she did have some friends that she was able to feel open with and connect with. But she was angry, and, and me specifically, because I was the closest one to her in, in the house environment. And, you know, she didn't do it personally, but that was what it felt like at the time, you know. So I grew up not really wanting to be at the house because my sister. If I did see her there, it would it would feel like verbal abuse. You know, it would feel very very, you know, negative and abusive to me. So that's why I spent most of my time out uh, with my friends, doing fun stuff. You know, uh, just making people laugh. You know, I I just felt like I I owed it to them and myself to just kind of bring goodness anywhere I went. As much as I could, you know, obviously there were times I would feel upset or, or angry or frustrated, but it's weird. Like I would find ways to, I guess, not show it as well because dude, I played football in in high school and like, I really? I didn't even like want to hit man. Like I didn't even want to like, like body check or anything. Like, I mean, I was like, yeah, let's do football. We'll hit, but I never really took it that seriously. I never was like, yeah, let's fucking hit each other. <laughs> I mean, at some point it was fun as hell. You know, you're hitting people. <laughs> But it was never like, I don't know, I guess I wasn't as meat, meat heavy as most people can be. In in general, this, this, these were aspects of the influence that shaped me for who I am now, you know, I am a more sensitive person. And I am because, because I've, 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 led time to learn specific aspects of of I don't know the soft soul that lives within and and try to search for more in that aspect to not just be such a brute because I didn't like brutes. I didn't like negative people. I didn't like violence. I didn't like that because it reminded me of my past a lot. So going back to my sister, we didn't have a good relationship after the divorce. And when I did landmark, I actually I was able to distinguish what happened when i was a little kid versus the story i created from that experience so basically my sister um in in when my parents got divorced she dealt with it the way that she had to deal with it because she's a kid she dealt with it by being upset at the world and lo and behold i was the closest person in her world at that time so i i did get a lot of the baggage but anytime I said verbal abuse, anytime I said she was a monster, anytime I said she was the worst person ever, was all the story I created without being to able to see that she was just dealing with it the way she could as a kid. And, and as long as I had some type of relationship with her after, I would always have this feeling, this feeling of you know this is what you did to me so why why should i be close to you or why should i be friends with you like you'll never be able to see it because i've never i've never brought it up but it still exists there and it's so strong and powerful and it's hard for people to have conversations with these people because something's so traumatic and strong that's there it's difficult to eliminate but after I did the the weekend seminar and I was able to find these tools that helped me in, in realizing the distinction of my life that I was living with her, I was finally able to actually see my sister for who she was now. Because now she's not all those things, you know. She she grew up, you know, to a certain point. But I wasn't able to see her. You know, I remember one time she was crying uh, while I was downstairs in my basement. She she went through something I had no idea what, but she was crying, and and she was just sitting there, and I was sitting on my computer in the same room just without even headphones just watching something online and I didn't even have the fucking courage to go over to her give her comfort and say hey what's going on because I was so so stubborn in whatever happened in my past with her and I was so still upset at her and I felt so bad I felt so bad afterwards that that when I actually talked to her and I told her like tree there was this one moment that you were crying and I couldn't even like be a brother I couldn't even be the brother you needed I felt so bad that, I don't know, I just, I never wanted that. I never wanted to be that type of person because I was becoming a monster. You know, I was forgetting who, who she is and, I guess for the first time in my life, after I did this, the forum, I was able to see my sister. I was able to see her for who she really is. And it was beautiful and it was amazing and it was magic. And, and then I was able to have the conversation that I was never able to have with her, where I was able to share with her, Tricia, when we were little kids, this is how I felt growing up and this is this is what i made you be in my life and and that i'm sorry that i'm sorry that i wasted so many years causing so many so many pains that didn't need to be deserved and and what i made you responsible for and and you're not because you were just a kid you were just dealing with it in the way that you found the only way possible and and you know what some of those ways influence you they influenced me on a great scale you know you showed me music you showed me rock you showed me you showed me like cool shit growing up like she's half the reason i'm even doing art now and she she's Most of the reason that I even do music, you know, she picked the the drums, I picked up the drum, she picked up the bass, I picked up the bass, like, you know, that's kind of like older, older sister, older brother to younger siblings always, but it, it was just I was able to have that conversation with her. And that was the biggest thing for me, because at the end of the day, that influence that trauma that i had was was existing in every aspect of my life not just with her but with people with bosses with teachers with with friends like if until you get clear with what it is with your family you're never really going to be able to experience anything outside of that 100% because you're always going to have that little little bit of trauma just existing within you oh
0: right and part of that trauma it can't you can't get rid of it, but to acknowledge it and to to say, hey, this is what happened to me and this is why I acted or this is why I act the way I act. To acknowledge your, your as you said, story, you know, what you create around the reality of what's happening. Yeah. Um, part of that is the mindfulness to, you know, this is what it is and this is how I uh, reacted and how it affected. Yeah, the interpretation, you know you came back, you took this forum and it allowed you to, you know, be introspective for your life. What did you feel motivated to do next? What, what, with this, with this communication tool, what next?
1: Yeah. I spoke to my sister and I really, I really wanted her to do the forum because I think there's a lot of, um, self, uh, like clarity that she could also achieve um, because to a certain point she was still holding on to a few things regarding uh, the divorce and the separation and I'm sure there's certain things that she probably still would like to uh, you know engage in Um, so I you know I tried getting her to do it she really wasn't uh, down to do it at the time but that's okay because I believe that we all find these things when we really want them. And so she's, she's continuing doing her thing. She's continuing doing her life. And it's beautiful. Uh, my mom, my dad, I also had different conversations with them regarding all of this. And then for me, um, well, not even just uh, my family. So for my family, I went to my friends. I had different conversations with my friends, things I was making them wrong for that, that weren't, weren't real. Um, and that I, I wanted to recreate real, mm-hmm. you know, deep powerful relationships you know i don't want to i don't want to just continue my old habits of smoking weed all the time or or sitting around not not being able to utilize my life you know so so after i was so empowered from this event and so so in a new empty glass is like how how we'd like to view it because you fill up your glass with different, different baggage or different experiences. And doing this weekend workshop was like a way to empty the glass, was a way to clear out all that uh, extra and be able to look at your life as a as a nothing, as a blank canvas, as what do you want in your life? What do you want to start creating? You know, basically, I mean, as a creative person, when I'm asked <laughs> that, I get so excited. Yeah. I get so excited. I'm like, what do, what do I want to build in my life, man? My life... My life should be like that always, you know. And so those things are important. So in that moment, I was really, really powerfully engaged in on taking music and taking, taking even art—not just music, but art in general—down uh, the path that I guess I never really thought of taking seriously because I was afraid. You know, I was afraid of what people told me of saying, like, dude, you know, this is a difficult path. You might not get a job. You might not. You might not succeed. You might not be what you want to be as a full-time artist, you know, it's, it's a difficult route, but at the same time, yeah, I'm fucking afraid. I mean, who isn't of, of the final, powerful choices they make in life. So to a certain point, I really wanted to learn more. I had this hunger to learn more. So in that moment, I decided to take some continuing education courses because it was actually right before the summer and Bergen didn't start till later. So I did some courses actually in photography and and silkscreen. Uh, I don't know, image-based mainly because I, I guess at the time I was into that. And then when I went to Bergen, because that's actually when I started Bergen Community College, you know, continuing my education, but not just not just the general courses, but I took some music classes like production and, and uh, band and shit like that. And I did that for about two years. And um, through my whole experience, uh, I decided that music production and recording – wasn't essentially the full outlet that I wanted because it felt you had to commit to music 100% if you wanted to be a musician. And me personally, I love music; it's the best thing. Uh, I still I still play. You know, I play open mics, but it wasn't so much the route I wanted for myself as a creative mm-hmm. aspect uh, in my art world. You know, music was just one of those tools. So I did that. Um, I learned as much as I could. And when I took the art courses that I did in Bergen, um, I really like painting. I really like drawing. I really like – well, not drawing so much. I'll be <laughs> honest. Uh, pa- drawings, I, I, I'm just not – I'm not as advanced in drawing as I really want to be. And at the end of the day, it's just draw more. Just draw, 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 draw. You know, There's, you can. you don't even need a teacher. You just got to keep drawing. <laughs> Uh, but painting was really fun. I really love painting because colors, man. I've always been about colors. That's one thing that I've always loved. So when I graduated Bergen, I graduated doing uh, those minimal art classes. I actually got a degree in fine arts, an associate's degree. And basically the other thing I was doing, complementing mm-hmm. all of this with, with, with work actually because I was also working, I was actually editing videos for my dad's company Uh, fagor america inc which is actually not going to be a thing anymore uh he's opening up a new company of kitchen appliances uh but he'll tell you probably more about that when you talk to him absolutely Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, basically I was editing videos. I was really good editor because ever since I was a kid, I really liked making people laugh, you know? So whenever we had group projects growing up in high school and middle school, we would make videos and they were, they would be some of the best fucking memories of my life, man. Like, People to this day still ask me about those videos. I mean, and and it was another way to be creative. You know, it was another way that I guess I didn't really see as art. I saw it more as having a good time. You but always it was, had a
0: video camera with you.
1: Always had a video camera, documented my life. And then I would edit. I would edit because I, I was good. You know, that was my practice. I would edit uh, videos for friends. I would edit videos for my dad. And I wanted to see how far I can do that in a professional aspect. So I left bergen and i uh i joined um an internship with this company hq um through mitchell stewart he's uh he was he was one hell of a boss i mean i'll be honest his energy was a thousand times both of us he Jesus. yeah he he it's almost like he had coffee but he didn't he, he was very zen in many ways but he was just bop 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 ready to go ready to go and that's kind of what it was as an experience for me in production. I've learned, you know, in production, it's, that's the attitude, man. You, you you've, you've realized, like that energy is everywhere and all the time. And I guess to a certain point, like, I, I guess my experience in doing production full time, being an, uh, an assistant in an in internship and editing, um, uh, I'd actually edited some videos for, uh, Paul Heyman. He's, uh, he was, um he's a wrestlemania uh, he started off as an announcer and he became like just like the head of all of WWE um, i'm not going to go too much into him but he was he was actually a pretty cool guy i'm not going to lie he was I don't know. He was an interesting dude. Not not my per se type of person that I right. want to be friends with, but he definitely had that, had that production energy, you know, because people in the production world, they're hard hitters, heavy ballers. I don't even know if those are <laughs> real <laughs> definitions <laughs> of people. You're just describing. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. I'm just making making like words combined to make the yeah. feelings of it. And uh, And I edited a lot. But I realized the world of editing, the world of production was very fake. It was very fake for me. I did food at uh, stylizing, I did, you know, fashion photography, I did all of the things basically behind the camera and I wasn't connected to any of it because to me it was all fake. As a kid, I would film what we did because it was real and it was funny and it was great. But then taking it as a professional aspect, it was all fake and and I didn't like it, you know. Editing was was getting really ghost-like, it was getting really boring because I wasn't editing things of of passion, of creative outlets of expression. It was just like, okay, um, we have a story, you know, not saying that this is a bad, but we have a story and we're going to take it. We're going to keep doing takes until we get it the way we like it. It's kind of like when you take a photo and you upload it onto Instagram, you go through a thousand different filters. You go through a thousand different, you know, photos to get to the one that you think is like worthy of being your filter of expression on your, your gram or your gram. you know your thing. Mm-hmm. And these are all little connections that I made that made me kind of not want to continue down social media as well. You know, I, I, I think it was this time too, that I, I decided to not do Facebook for a year because I was spending way too much time on the newsfeed and like, you don't realize it, but you become conditioned to these images, you know, cause we as human beings are addicted to screens ever since like fire. It was, a, it was a version of a screen. So I don't know. I'm I can go really deep on that. But <laughs> <laughs> let's let's keep going with your story. Yeah, yeah, let's keep yeah. going. Thank you. Thank you. Uh so uh so yeah, I didn't like editing, I didn't like production. So I, I quit I quit that job. Um and I basically I did some traveling and I think it was but <laughs> I decided that I wanted to take art school like head on. Like I really wanted to to go – and not not just art school, dude. I've wanted to go to California. Okay, let me say that. Ever since end of high school, I've always had the the, the call to go west. You know, west is the <laughs> best, baby. I don't know. People have always told me, dude, you, you should go to the west coast. It's probably because I had long hair and I longboarded. But it's also because like I was – I don't know. I just – things there seemed, you know, more chill. So I yeah. decided to apply Uh and I applied to college. Uh, I found CCA, California College of the Arts. I went to visit it with my dad. Fell in love. Fell in love with the campus. Fell in love with San Francisco. I mean, it, it was just everything. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I was listening to uh, Going to California by Led Zeppelin <laughs> on my way there. Uh, I was listening to, like, San Francisco. Like, I don't know. I was just being, like, romantic yeah, about yeah. the whole experience. You know, because it's just everything I wanted. And, and I applied to the school. I got in. And and up until this point, I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. My whole life. So this was the first time I was leaving. Um, my, of course, my parents were worried. Um, you know, everybody, my friends, they're like, dude, yeah, this is it. Nice, nice. But
0: you didn't stay in California. You're like, you're not in California right now. I'm sitting in my room talking to you, but no, you're not no. in Cali.
1: Yeah. No, no, not Cali. Uh, Cali was about uh, – in 2016 or 2015 to 2016, yes, 16, that I went to Cali, and and yeah, Cali was the first time uh, I just did it. I went by myself. I started school. I'm. I would say that the life changing moment, at least for my career. Because I originally went to study industrial design. I went to study industrial design because when I was a little kid, going back to the first story I told, I wanted to be an inventor. So to be an inventor, a lot of what I saw that as, you know, with Da Vinci as being like one of my icons and that is that industrial design was that field, you know, I didn't really know what it was, but I just wanted more, man. I just always wanted more. But I wanted to start in something that was quote unquote, right. you know, safe. So I did it I did industrial design and I took one class that changed my life. And it was this one class um, with the teacher that I will never forget. It was Barbara Holmes. She was the furniture intro to furniture teacher and she told me about this class and I really wanted to do things with my hands and I wanted to learn about wood and you know what I was like okay I'll do it and it was my favorite class it was the only class that wasn't part of my industrial design program all the other industrial design programs were fun but I never connected so I built a chess table and it was the first table I built and I would tell you right now that was the landmark for me to decide that I wanted to become that type of artist, that type of maker. I wanted to go into the world of craft. I wanted to go into the world of materials, of even sculpture, I would say. But furniture was kind of like the root that I connected with. And and that that would be basically – California. Because California, as much as it was a travel to go and experience, it was just the career of classes and the work that I did in materials and that environment that I really grew from. I would say that I guess I had some close relationships in in San Francisco, but I never really had, I guess, the full connection to people. And, And that's something, I guess, that would lead me to the story of Spain, of why I'm here now. I guess growing up, I did have some connections, but there was an aspect of our culture in America that I never really connected with. I mean, I was grew up somewhat in a Spanish household and, and, you know, I had what was, I guess, an American childhood, you know, I definitely had an American
0: childhood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I wouldn't say I'm, I grew up in like in a European household. I mean, my, my buddy, Nicola Henn, he, he could probably vouch more for that one. But for me, yeah, I, I grew up there and I guess I never fully connected with the importance of what our country sees in in a form of, let's say, a capitalistic culture and kind of the, um, the fear aspect, because I really want to say that fear is a big role to why people in our specific cities of, let's say, New York or San Francisco, kind of like, makes us do or act the way we do and kind of makes us not connect as much between people. Um, To a certain point, I I never connected that deeply. Uh, I wanted other things, of course, but in San Francisco, I would say I connected more to the people than I did in New York ever. Um, Not saying New York's bad or anything. This is just like my own experience, but I always also just felt my energy being more into the simple things of life like conversations or meals or you know just one-on-ones and and giving people opportunity to to be open in that aspect not not having conversations like, okay what, what can you give me what can i give you if we can't give each other anything why are we been talking you know that, that 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 drive and more of just kind of like a general understanding of how people should be treated or treat other people in mm. America, you know, we're, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy world of America. And I, I, it's just, I hate saying America. Like I hate talking about America as like a general scope of, because not everybody is right. like this, but it's just our, our culture has been in a world of fear. And, and because of that, I think there's a lot of, of of non connection that we've been living in. You know, we we try so hard to be connected with you know, I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and you guys touch upon it, but like, you know, with media and 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 you know different different forms of let's say technology to connect people, but it doesn't. It doesn't connect us. It actually causes a lot of more problems in 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 let's say social aspects. You know, you want to connect with people, but you're still putting up things that only show a general highlight or aspect of yourself, and and then people have to kind of live up to whatever those expectations are. So consciously, and then they they create their own like depressions out of that. I mean, there are now there's a thing called Facebook depression, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, and it's something I never wanted. I mean, I, I to a certain point I had a flip. Phone and I was doing well with that. I mean, only up until I got to Spain did I get back onto the uh, social media grind and, and um, a better phone, I guess, a smartphone <laughs> because I needed to communicate or locate myself more here. But Europe, to me, when I went, okay, okay, so now I just remember the reason why I wanted to come to Spain. This was all happening. These things were happening beneath the layers of my skin. They were happening. But until I went backpacking with my buddy Brian... Brian, my first roommate in college mm-hmm. from Tampa, and we we visited Europe. We went everywhere, but it wasn't up until I did El Camino Santiago de Compostela in Spain, where I decided that I was going to become not just an artist, an installation artist, and I, w- I was going to live in Spain. Spain, for me... During the experience that I've been here or two years ago that I went backpacking and visited, I connected more with the Spanish culture in a whole because of the way they viewed the important things of life and, and the way they connected that I, I was able to connect on that. And for me, that's everything I wanted. You know, I mean, sure, if you want to be the best you can be and succeed the most that you can, I would say America's the place to be. You know, you work hard enough, you're going to get what yeah. you want. For me personally, I don't want so many things right now. I want the space to be creative and create my art. But I genuinely want deeper connections, and I wanted better relationships, and I wanted great, great food that isn't processed <laughs> and covered in, in donkey shit. You know, well, te- technically it kind of is, I guess. Oh to man, point. but. But, but like, these are the minimal things that i really, really wanted. And I connected so well with that in Spain when I was visiting and I did El Camino, I had enlightenment and it was everything I wanted that I decided that I was going to live in Spain and I was going to live through the school. You know, I was going to do an exchange program because my school had that possibility and I figured, you know, kill two birds. I'd be able to get my credits, continue school, and I'd be living the life that I really wanted, which was in Spain. You know, see what it's like living, not just traveling, but living. So that's kind of where I spent the year in California doing my stuff, but also applying to Spain. So this this past um, September was um, basically when I came to Spain because I got in. I was so happy. Oh, this is oh great, great <laughs> fucking story. So I knew I knew I was supposed to come here for 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 one big big reason. and my school, really fucked up. So it's basically like two weeks. Before I'm supposed to hear back from if I got in or not. Up until this point, I sent in all my information to my school, uh, my my what's it called, my uh, international student exchange office, mm-hmm. whatever, and I gave them all my shit, and they were supposed to send it to my school in Spain. So I haven't been hearing anything back, and it's two weeks before like the deadline or the the whatever they I hear back from them. So I send them an email. I send my my school in Spain an email. And I say, hey, uh, I just want to make sure you guys receive the information well. I'm really excited, but I also really want to know, you know, más o menos, like when I'll hear back from you guys. And they told me they didn't receive anything. Oh my god! They told me they, they never received anything, and that I guess my school just forgot to send them shit. At that point, I was so like pissed because, in a weird way, my school has had some very, very sketchy and not not great at anything. Sometimes moments. And this was one of them. So I hit up my school. I was like, "Hey!" Uh, so I just talked to Spain, and they told me you guys didn't send anything. So you know what's going on? First off, and second off, can you please just send this stuff? So long story short, they send the stuff, and and I got in. You know, I got awesome. in with a week deadline ahead of me and that's when I knew you know I was freaking out obviously I was like dude if I don't get in this is what I want you know I want to go to Spain and so I got in and it was the happiest I was and I was very content I was very excited and I guess that's kind of when I started somewhat practicing my Spanish because I knew I was gonna have to come here and speak but I never had a problem with that because I actually grew up uh my parents speak to me in Spanish so luckily luckily there's some people I know who didn't and You know, I'll tell you right now, knowing a second language while in Europe is a blessing. Like I've met so many people who can understand Spanish or English or both. And then I it's just such a clutch tool to have. But yeah, so September came and Leo (laughs) Barriga. Perdon, perdon, perdon. perdon, Leandro Riga. See, this was a big thing for me. I know it's minimal for most people, but this was a big thing for me because for my whole life I had been telling people to call me Leo. I've been telling them to call me Leo because nobody could ever pronounce my name the way I guess I wanted it to be or or even like like it was nice for me. It, they would always say Leandro uh, or they would call me Alejandro, you know, by accident. And that that's actually one thing I hate is when you call me Alejandro because it just it reminds me a lot of the Lady Gaga song and no, those <laughs> worse. <things. laughs> yeah, yeah, totally yeah. not name also. <laughs> not my name but leo Leo's. is you know i don't have a problem with Leo. i actually kind of do like leo sometimes but when i came to spain i knew people would say my name the way it was supposed to be so here i'm actually you know called leandro and and i really like it and so uh yeah so anyway i i got here and september rolled around so leandro barriga on his great adventure to spain. <laughs> a hero <laughs> in a epic tale basically I, which i hope i hope one day i do actually put something together uh, I, i'm really looking forward to reading your book but you're you're are yeah, inspiring right. it's gonna, me to, it's going to be coming out too. yeah yeah you know you're, you're really inspiring me to kind of put together something within all of my experiences as well so thank you absolutely
0: so I, wait uh, hold on hold
1: on yeah let's not, let's yeah, not get yeah, all yeah. uh all fuzzy with you let's, really let's not get to the yeah, plugs yeah. yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're in spain right now um And we were speaking before the podcast about something that you're doing right now. You're crocheting. Tell me about what it is that you're trying to do with that.
1: Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, we'll get part of this. When I was in middle school, I joined the knitting club. Uh, I was the only person – I was only a male in the knitting club. And, you know, I was only there for, I only went to like maybe three club meetings because I was also just such a sporadic guy. But I really, really wanted to learn about knitting. Like I thought it was cool, you know. I thought it was fun and relaxing and cool. And I made a scarf that like I never finished. I think it's somewhere, somewhere. I don't even know. (laughs) But I never continued. Yeah, yeah. I never continued that route again. Before I left to Spain, I actually, I made, oh, I made like one of the world's best, She's one of the best people in the fucking world, and I have the beautiful courtesy to call her my best friend, uh, Mallory. Yeah, she's probably she's probably listening to this right now. What up, Mall? Yeah. Oh, shout you're very, you're really trusting. The people that are listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, man, they trust me, right? Why not? Um, but but we had a great, great, beautiful relationship before I left to uh, to back to Jersey to go to Spain. It was the last. Uh, summer. It was the summer before I left California, and she does um, a lot of textiles, a lot of knitting, a lot of sewing, crocheting. She's a fashion major, and she's working real, real hard, man, one of the hardest women I know working. Uh, she just did a trip to Sri Lanka. But anyway, um, she was the one who actually really inspired me to start doing fabrics again and working in in textiles. And lo and behold, she actually gave me a, a crochet a hook. Before I left uh, to go on this trip, because I told her, you know, I had this interest and I was getting into it, but I guess, you know, she gave me the hook because she knew I would, I would, I would love it. So I did. I do love it. Thank you, Mallory. Thank you very much. And basically, I, I started crocheting um, when I came to Spain because I had the time and I just dedicated some work to it and. I've been crocheting now and I find so much pleasure from it. And, and one big thing, I guess, that I've always experienced uh, growing up is that, like I was saying before, like a while ago about me kind of being more sensitive, is that I really like this world of fabrics and, and knitting and crocheting and that there was a connotation to it that, you know, it was a female work or female life of doing these types of stuff that I guess it wasn't manly or, or what, you know. You know, I don't want to go too much into sexism and shit like that, but that I personally like was more of a sensitive guy and I like things like this and I wasn't so much of what you would consider your ge- your gen- generic male or brute male. No. And so I really got into crocheting. And I'm doing it now and I'm, I'm loving craft in general, you know, things that, you know, like weaving and, and, you know, carving and, and, you know, I guess the things that yes, to a certain point in our past, or more of a female life world. Or, but or considered really, to be
0: a female role to do.
1: Yeah. Which, yeah, exactly. It was considered to be a female role to do. And and a, a big intention of me doing all this, now that I've been doing a lot and viewing this, is that I really want to push for for more males, uh, kind of, I guess, who share similar stories to me or or have interest in it, to you know, go ahead and do it, and I guess not have like the, the 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 thinking that is you know that this is like unmanly to do, but it's it's not. It's it's actually quite fun, and it's and it's cool, and it's relaxing. It's everything a man needs in a certain <laughs> way because it, it's patience. You learn a lot about how you put your energy into something because to a certain degree each stitch each knot is like breathing in meditation it's like an obs- observation of how you you are with yourself because it'll show it'll show i mean that's the energy that exists in art in general cooking um is a beautiful example of it if you if like i guess santi was saying a little bit about cooking you know if you're really there if you're meditative in it you will taste the true beauty that was each in veg- each vegetable ingredient or whatever for me, knitting and and crocheting, you get to see the that dynamics of yourself in the work, depending on if it's too tight in a certain area, or if it's too loose, or if you just don't concentrate for a second. You know, I'm getting to a point now where I guess I don't have to concentrate as hard. In the beginning, man, in the beginning, <laughs> dude, my my hands hurt like 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 it was like learning the guitar again for the first time. It was just, wow, it was so I was so tense, but. Through time and through just relaxing and learning proper technique, you you, you you start to flow to a point where it's just, you know, a ry- rhythmic pattern and you're counting. And there's actually a nice little science to it. I mean, if you look at, you know, binary codes of ones and zeros, like crocheting is somewhat of a template as well. You know, you have specific hooks that you put into certain knots and, you know, it all changes. But, you know, so I am crocheting. Uh, I'm loving it. And I'm trying to get it going so I can actually begin my own little uh, crafts uh, selling of it. Um, so I'm putting together some baskets now because I want to start selling stuff uh, here in, in Spain because there's a lot of craft shops. And awesome, once dude. that – yeah, keep, keep, keep an eye out because once that actually keeps going and I get to the point where I can actually start teaching, but I really want to start um, a club or some type of um, social yes. network – class as well called brochet, brochet. that's uh it's a uh, uh, leandro barriga ch- trademark uh, that should be highlighted <laughs> and uh yeah i'm gonna start brochet classes because i think it's important it's about guys yeah it's, 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 it's a crochet okay <laughs> kyle keep going please please <laughs> sorry it's <laughs> such a great name. <laughs> yeah it's it's but it's it's basically that it's, a, it's about bros Because the culture of bro culture is these aggressive, hard-headed dudes, but who probably want to get in touch with these softer sides. And and I want to – I guess I want to continue that for people and mainly male audience. I mean I'm open to everybody. I'm not specific. But I think it will be empowering for men because – you know, there's so much movement right now for for uh, females. And I um, I respect and I find so much beauty in that because it's so much necessary that we need an equality. And to a certain point, me growing up as being this type of male who, uh, I, I guess I never, like I said, was bruteful in the male aspect. So I, I did, I didn't really know where I fit in with whether I was the male that maybe a lot of females were fighting, or maybe I, I was more I'm not dissing anything with gay culture, but I would never have really felt gay. Mm-hmm. But I guess maybe somebody who looks at what I do could consider it to be gay. You know, I mean, I've I've been called gay a bunch of times growing up because I've been so, you know, touchy feely. I've, I've given hugs. I I've just been more of a. A loving person by that nature so to a certain point where do i really fit in and all that like what side of whatever am i but i don't know for me at the end of the day the crocheting aspect the, the being sensitive is just another another a way to understand someone or something and i think it's important for for that to become more accepted in in more males let's
0: say totally i completely agree with you there's a uh... It's partly labeling, you know. When you label yourself, you feel like you have to fit exactly to that label. And that's not what people are. We're, we're fluid. We, we move and ebb back and forth between different things. And, I mean, when I had come forward and said on the podcast with Alessandra that, like, I had been molested, you know, Damn. for a guy to say that, it's so – against the norm of guys don't that doesn't happen to guys that's not that's not what we we you know experience in life and like it's it's the reality though and it happens and guys being sensitive like the, for people to you know always need to be like guys are manly and they don't have emotions or they don't talk about emotions and they got men don't cry and sack up like that idea it, it suppresses the emotional side for men and just talking about it is is so important because it, it lets everyone know, hey, like, there are a spectrum of people, whether you're male, female, or whatever you want to call yourself. It's yeah. – you don't have to be one thing. It's not who you are as an individual.
1: Exactly. And I, I want to also, dude, acknowledge you for what you did because that that's, that was just the most beautiful thing, dude. I actually listened to the podcast and and I – you, it's just the courage dude I mean that that's what it's about it's about it's about having courage and just saying what it is and what happened and uh, no, whatever dude if somebody wants to, to judge you or crucify you then it's just the knack of lack of knowledge you know at the end of the day we live agreeing in a society where we need we need this knowledge we need this information so we can actually create awareness i mean to a certain point i've been more open in these areas like like for example like like i know people here who are transvestites and growing up in certain traditional pueblos here in spain it it, it was hell for them because the older community they just didn't they didn't have the knowledge and probably if they did have the knowledge it wasn't taught in the way they would have understood Right. So, so th- there's a level of, of responsibility in all of this that is just that it's about spreading our stories, showing people that it's okay and, and creating different routes to, to learning. And like I said before, man, that's why I love I love what you're doing with all of this because this is the best way that I find for people not only to be open and express themselves, but that we can learn from each other. We can learn from these stories. I've learned so much listening to you speaking with Alessandra and, and Casey. Oh, Casey, dude, you're like my hero, bro. I, I love what you did, man. It's it's just it's a part of what happens. And you're using the media the right way in how we should be connected, not not blinded by image. That's why at the end of the day, this is just talking. This is just sound. This is this isn't to, you know, put Uh, an image so that you'll remember it only by that you'll, you'll actually take from this what you want. And I don't want to get too sidetracked by like talking too much about the, the whole of what this is, but you know, in a, in a weird way, my intentions for everything that I'm doing is, is, is just to give people some other, other ways to look at stuff I've always been different in the in the aspect of of growing up being like in high school like I've always found myself liking more sensitive things or, or finding a, a weird way to look at stuff or and being super friendly you know I mean I've always had the friendly aspect I guess that's why traveling has been to a certain point great don't don't get me wrong man I still I still suffer a lot from insecurities. I mean, they come they come into my mind like as easy as I don't know, like as easy as it can be and and I have to find that it's not real and I have to go back to my meditations and I have to just be in the moment, you know? And that that's that's the key key point for me right now is that I finally found here in Spain a space where I can I can nurture that aspect of myself and and find I guess some type of solace. And one thing that happened that I actually want to, I want to highlight in is that Xenia, she's been one of the, again, uh, like I said, my uh, a muse and milestone and that I love her dearly. She, she left to Xenia, Ireland. Just, on so, one-
0: just so everyone knows mm-hmm. Xenia was uh, Leo's girlfriend while he's been in Spain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She, she was, uh, she was my Spanish muse, man. She, she still is always going to be. And, um, and basically I took her to the airport with her dad on Monday and when she left to Ireland, um, it was the first time in my life where I was able to be at an airport and not be the one leaving or not have the sensations of of wanting to leave in the sense that I wanted to go and find where it is that I needed to go next as like a physical place. You know, some people find it with things. I I needed to travel. I've always been someone who needs to travel, always. I I guess that's also because most of my family is in Chile. And so I would travel to Chile growing up as a kid a lot. But when I saw her leaving and I was at the airport, it was the first time in my life where I was actually content with being where I was and not needing to leave. And to a certain point, it was... It was a, a home that I, I, I felt, a home that I found, and, and a, a thing that's necessary for everybody to, to leave their home, to leave everything they've known, to be alone, to be somewhere that will put you in an environment that you know nothing of, and that maybe you have expectations going there, but that they're not going to be met, and that's okay. it's okay that they're not met. It's actually more necessary that they're not met or else you'll never find the new aspects of what you can be because you'll just be living within what you want it to be and how you thought it was going to be. And so that's kind of what this whole journey for me was, is that I've been living my whole life just trying to find my home. And I'm always going to be, you know, Spain's my home now. But who knows where I'm going to want to go to next? You know, as long as you you act upon the calls that you have in life, as long as you you act upon the the, the omens, as you know, I read in The Alchemist uh, calls them. You you'll kind of just, you know, you'll live a life. But maybe maybe you'll find something more if you're able to just take that that step, and you're able to be let's say mindful about it, you know, when you go that you don't just try holding on to this idea that you're creating, you know, accept what it is and see what you can create within, you know, life has a way of dealing cards to you and you have a way of playing the hand in a certain light. You could, you could play whatever hands you want, or if you don't like the game, just play a new game, dude, it's that easy. You don't have to get so wrapped up in, in the, in the fantasy. And so I guess travel, and travel with beautiful intention, travel with open arms and travel because you want to travel for you and, and, and make the choices for yourself, you know, and, and fuck it, go into the wild, into the <laughs> wild, baby. Yeah.
0: Uh, just to touch upon traveling. Yeah. Uh, traveling doesn't mean that, you know, you have to. Go from location to location externally. Traveling can also be an internal thing; it can be a, a searching and a, a reflection of what you want as an individual. But nonetheless, what you say about traveling—travel with intention. It's beautiful and it's a great way to travel. One of, I believe, the more important ways, whether internally or externally, and. Leo, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast. And yeah, yeah, our, hey, time, our time quick. draws to a close, please give me a plug or something. You know, just uh, yeah, and, no,
1: real quickly. Yeah. Um, just just highlighting on what you were saying. You're right. You know, traveling within is always always the first travel. I had to do so much, and I'm still doing so much. But I had to do so much soul searching before I could actually take that leap. Because it's it's important to first travel within before you can travel without. Because you're going to just realize that even no matter where you go, there's the same things are going to occur of, let's say, quote-unquote problems. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're going to come across similar things. And it's how you, you start dealing with them because you start dealing with yourself in that aspect. So definitely, definitely within, always. Um, so yeah, thank you, Kyle. That was beautifully said yeah <laughs> thanks yeah. man I also, do, also, no I also really want to thank you for the books you gave me man like I've been Oh, see that's the one thing it's like I can't find I'm reading in Spanish don't get me wrong my Spanish game is juicy but nice. I've been, tra- been trying <laughs> to like yeah. <laughs> muy jugoso as we like to say but I've been I've been trying to just read more in a lot of this so thank you for giving me um, some of the books that I asked you to bring uh, from the states man. absolutely my yeah. pleasure man Yeah. Um. So I guess sign off. Um. I don't really have a plug at the moment. Um. But if
0: anyone wants to reach you, see you. What's
1: up? Yeah. Yeah. Instagram. uh, Instagram. Leonidas eight. The number eight and Leonidas with a T, not a D. So L E O N I T U S eight. Uh. I'm not really on Snapchat anymore. I was when I was trapped. Yeah. Literally. I mean, I had a lot of fun doing it, but when people were like, "Dude, Leo, like, why aren't you on Snapchat anymore?" Your, your stories are hilarious i'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah i know but you know i'm kind of not there right now let me just let me just do what i'm doing so yeah, instagram let me live my life let me live my life i mean I, I even tried doing like a whole youtube channel uh like a cooking show thing <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe i'll like edit it and post it because it, it's kind of funny i, I show how to make jello shots like that's but, hilarious yeah like, yeah, yeah i yeah, gotta find it i gotta see if i can edit it but um yeah facebook you can reach me too uh it's leo barriga right now but you know i think i'm gonna change the name i think it's time yeah and, um, to your real name yeah to my real name and um i don't know i guess you could just find me th- through those uh i want to say keep an eye out though because hopefully within this year i'm gonna take craft to that level and actually make an individual instagram page for it uh so i'll be awesome. showing we showing that process and yeah, keep me accountable for for moving along with the brochet as well, because that's you got it. That's that's what it's about. So yeah, thanks, Kyle, man. I had a lot of fun doing this, bro. This was this was. A, yeah, Leah, thank you so much for for coming on. Yeah, okay, dude. I, can, I have a request. You have what? <laughs> What's can the I, request? Yeah, hey, I just every time I've been listening to you, you two. They uh, this has been disconnection. Uh, yeah. can, can I sign off with you?
0: Yeah, sure. So, all right. So I'm going to give, you know, the outro Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say, and we'll catch you on the next episode of, and then we say disconnection together and we'll go. Disconnection. Disconnection. Cool. Disconnection, All right, baby. so hold on. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for another episode on the Disconnection Podcast, where we aim to inform, inspire, and close the disconnections in your life. I'd like to thank our guest today, Leandro Barriga, for joining us and delivering a unique perspective on a range of topics. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, the podcast app. My name is Kyle, and we'll catch you on the next episode of
1: Disconnection baby. (laughs) How did you mess that up? (laughs) How did I mess up? That was messed up. Perfect.